Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks, and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Modern Business. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Business Podcast. Thank you all so much for hopping on here for a very special episode uh, today. Uh, really excited to get back to something I really love to discuss, which is technology. Um, that is really what our podcast here is founded on, is the idea of uh, you know Ryan being really curious about how technology and franchising intersected. Uh, and I think that you know one of my favorite things to do is to do what, what we call our technology spotlight episode. And this is uh, a really um, interesting um, part of franchising that I think a lot of people are really going to need to hear a lot about right now, especially um, during COVID. And I think that that is all about real estate. And I think that you know many of you have heard about the idea of real estate being really cheap and really accessible because all of these brands are going to be closing. But just knowing that isn't really enough to really make the right decision. And I think that these guys that I'm going to have on today are truly going to be help, be able to help learn how to use data the right way to be able to find the right real estate and not just see, oh, like dollar signs is like really cheap relative to what I've seen a year ago, but actually finding that right space and really putting in that reputable real estate model that you guys will be able to use um, for years and years and years into the future. But before we dive into that, everybody, I really do want to touch on two things as always. Uh, number one, um, we are, um, of course, doing our uh, Franchise Influencer Series um, every week. It's going to be uh, Thursdays. Uh, that's going to be 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. And the best thing about these folks is that we are going to have um, really awesome CEOs and COOs and CMOs and CDOs of really great companies. And uh, two two guests that we had this week in particular um, are really going to knock your guys' socks off. So we have the COO of Neighborly Brands. Uh, we have a uh, we have uh, um, we have we also have the CEO of Apex Brands, um, which is a huge multi-unit franchisor. So please go and check those out. Um, it's going to be a really great episode this week. Um, in addition to that, please go and also check out the website that we have for everybody. It's a franchisors.com. If you go to check that out, and you're going to see Franchise Switchboard. That is a really great place for you guys to go and check out um, any resumes that you that you may be looking for in terms of people. Who you're trying to, you know, learn more about. This is, you know, as I keep saying, you're going to find really amazing people that have just been really unlucky uh, due to COVID-19. So please go and check out those resumes. It is a big resume pool of awesome people. Um, and then also there are many job listings that we have on there. I think we have over 50 job listings on there now. So please go and check that out if you guys are interested in learning more about some really great jobs in the franchise space. So uh, really excited to bring on my next guest today. I have uh, two gentlemen that are going to be on the line with us. So number one, I have the co-founder and CEO of Locate AI. I have uh, Joe Lee on the phone with us coming uh, to us live from California. And then I also have uh, the direct their director of development, uh, Navin Bhutani, on with us as well. Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Zach. Well, thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys again. Uh, really, really excited to talk about this subject because it's something that, uh, as you guys can tell, um, I'm really interested in personally. And I think that I, I wouldn't have gone out of my way to reach out to you guys if I if I wasn't. And I think that you know the crowd is going to be really interested in hearing about this too. 
Um, what I'd love to touch on first is just tell me a bit about, um, please, I would love for you guys to just tell me a bit about both of yourselves and, you know, what your background is briefly, just so people can kind of understand who you are in the sphere of this crazy real estate world. Yeah, sure. So I, I, I'm Joe, uh, co-founder CEO of Locate. Um, so, you know, me and my co-founders were, you know, our background, we're, we're Stanford computer science guys. So we're coming out of, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, heavy in data, data science, technology, engineering. Uh, we've worked at companies like Apple and Amazon and so forth, tech stars. Um, and really, you know, we founded the business about six years ago, uh, with the mission to help the commercial real estate industry be a lot more data driven. Uh, and really just coming out of Silicon Valley, there's so much you know, uh, just innovation and disruption with just across the board for so many different industries. You, you know, you look at fintech, you look at insure tech, uh, and commercial real estate tech, CRE tech, uh, people like to call it is, you know, it's about five to 10 years behind. Uh, and, you know, our goal was to change that. So, you know, we use, you know, cutting edge, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, geofencing, which is a you know very hot term uh, nowadays in our industry, uh, and it really the the niche segment that that we're serving today are are retailers. So if you're a retailer, mm-hmm. you know expanding new locations, you know how do you use data? How do you use you know this quote unquote AI, this machine learning thing that people keep talking about? Like how do you actually use it uh, to your advantage to make uh, data driven uh, site selection decisions? So that's what we do. Um, uh, and we've been in business for about six years here in San Francisco. Very nice. And and Navin would love to kind of hear how you know what your background is and how you got involved with these guys because uh, you know I know that I know that Joe with a couple other with a couple other folks started the start up this thing. But I would love for people to kind of get a get a taste of what you've done. And you know, director of development sounds like you know quite a bit about real estate in particular. So I would love to dive into that too. Well, that's a, that's a great lead. And actually, Joe and I go back to 2015. At the time, I was actually running the real estate department at a private equity funded restaurant chain in New York City. Uh, and we were trying to figure out how to expand intelligently um, outside of New York City, which is where our 11 units were into Boston and ultimately into Philadelphia. And so I connected with Locate AI uh, as one of their early beta users paying a very small <laughs> monthly fee. Uh, and and really thought what they were doing was great because I hadn't found a comprehensive data set just to give me access to demographics, psychographics, weather, crime, everything in one platform. Uh, over the course of a year, I, I was a user, and then they uh, expanded the service offering into predictive analytics. And um, that was obviously a game changer, I think, for the business, uh, but for a dig in where most of our locations were in the city and uh, for a bigger reason. The cost was four to six thousand dollars a month. I couldn't actually continue being a customer. So fast forward to 2018, uh, when I was going to leave, dig in, and I reconnected with Joe. Said, "Hey, I'm looking for a partner. I'm going to start my own shop." Uh, and one thing led to another, and we realized there was a really great market opportunity uh, to take what Locate I had built, uh, the most comprehensive predictive analytics platform, uh, providing market optimization maps, so strategy maps for new markets, as well as mobile GPS data, uh, and make it um, available to everyone. And how we were going to do that was to take the technical offering, the software as a service, and pair it with someone like myself, uh, who has real, real estate experience, uh, and provide that joint value proposition to retailers at no cost. And how we would 
generate a business was to partner with local brokers, real estate brokers in every market who are ultimately getting paid for doing deals for all of these different clients. And now you forward to 2020, obviously coronavirus has moved things around, but um, we've, we've built something special and I think it ties in. Uh, we, we didn't go a little sideways around the background, but I've worked in-house at a restaurant chain. I've also been a broker uh, for a number of great national brands, Drybar being one of them. Uh, and I guess prior to that, I was a tax attorney. That's for you, mom, making you proud. Uh, and <laughs> here we are in 2020. Here we are in 2020. Um, and we, we have a number of active clients still in this market. And I think that's a testament, one, to those clients who have somewhat pandemic-proof businesses, but also to locate ad services. So thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, well, 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 thanks for going through that, guys. And I think it's just good to good to see that you guys really are, um, you know, combining, you know, SaaS, um, which I think is, you know, direly needed in the franchise space because people truly need to focus, you know, on the day to days of their business. And it really does make it a lot easier when they have something at their fingertips that's really easy to use. And uh, especially when you're able to put some expertise behind it as well. So people can get that white glove service. Um, is uh, truly a really a great marriage. And I think it makes a ton of sense that you guys are working on this project together. And, you know, what I'd love to dive into now, because Navin, you did mention uh, COVID-19, of course, and that's on the top of a lot of people's minds these days. I think that it would be helpful for you guys, uh, for, for either one of you guys to really go through, you know, what you guys are seeing, just general state of the union in, in the real estate space and as it relates to franchising in particular. I know that you guys have, uh, that you guys do certainly have uh, some, uh, brands you guys work with on the franchise side, but also on kind of the on the corporate side of things um, in some of our major cities, because you guys do have an East Coast and West Coast presence. Uh, you know what's going on in the real estate space right now, and what are you really seeing? And 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 I know in the news there's been a lot of talk um, about real estate. You know it, what are you guys seeing right now, and what are um, you know what is uh, the, I guess some information you guys would care to glean. Yeah, totally, totally. That's that's a great question, and you're right. There, there's so many competing narratives right now on, on what's going on and what's mm-hmm. really, you know, and every market's different. And I'll talk to a friend in Nashville and I'll talk to a friend in, you know, Oakland and like there, I feel like they're living in two different countries. Right. So there's, you know, a lot of you know, different policies and, and consumer psyche is different in, in different markets. So I, I think what would be interesting for the audience is maybe look, looking at the data of, of actually what's going on because data is, is, tends to be fairly objective and we can actually use real numbers to actually uh, communicate what's going on. So, so one thing that we've been doing, uh, and, and just to touch a bit on our technology, we, we have um, a tremendous access to uh, mobile GPS data. Uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of regard this technology as geofencing. So, you know, we have over 180 million anonymous uh, mobile devices that we're tracking in our system. And what that allows us to do is track a data point that we think is super relevant uh, and important and, and for, for any retailer, franchise, or franchisee to track, which is in-store traffic uh, across the country for retail brands and concepts and, and verticals. Okay, so it's called the Retail Tracker. Uh, we've actually publicized it for free online. You can go to locate.ai slash retail dash tracker. You guys can check it out there. Uh, and what it's doing is it's using the the mobile data sets across over three million uh, retail sites uh, in the U.S. to to get us into traffic. So right now, uh, as it sits today, 
we are down about 17% in terms of in-store traffic uh, compared to pre-COVID levels. Okay, so pre-COVID, we're, we're considering the first couple of weeks of, of February of this year. Uh, and as of today, we're about down 17%. Now, I, I think when you kind of dive into the numbers, um, I don't think that tells the best story because if you look at some of the top MSAs around the country, uh, it's actually a lot worse. So, so, for example, like Minneapolis, they're down about 72% compared to pre-COVID. Uh, Detroit's Ooh. down 66 you know, Boston, 65. In my hometown, San Francisco is down about 49%. Uh, and this is even with including the the um, uh, the de- deliveries and the uh, uh, dine-outs, right? Because a lot of the restaurants and retailers are, are finding ways to still stay open. Um, so, you know, and some of the some of the categories most hit, I mean, obviously entertainment, like movie theaters, down 90% across the board in the country. Fitness, down 50%. Uh, full service, full service restaurants. You know they're doing a bit better than they were. Um, you know they're they're at down 33. Uh, and you know some of the you know more of the supermarkets and electronics, they're actually doing quite well. So groceries and supermarkets are up two percent uh, compared to pre-COVID levels. Um, and and yeah, so I mean, so this is you know part of what we do is is we use mobile data to figure out what's going on, look at the data, get down to it. Uh, and we think this is going to be a super critical data point that people look at uh, as they think about reopening, as they think about expansion, as they think about you know licensing their franchise concept to you know to to new territories. Like what is actually going on in those specific MSAs as it pertains to in-store traffic? So that's one thing we're doing right now. Um, it's called the retail tracker. Huh. Wow, that is that is yeah. really interesting, and yeah. and and I yeah. think and 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 I and I am kind of and I am kind of curious if if I if I could pivot to a second to how that really relates to, you know, what the conversations that you're having with clients, uh, Navin. So when you're using this technology, that you, when you're using the technology that Joe and the team ha- has has obviously so graciously built, and I know that not many folks on the real estate side typically have. Uh, you know, this at their fingertips, let alone, you know, it, you know, this would kind of be cool. And then like it, it it's gets built, which I, which is why tech companies are awesome. Um, you know, talk to me about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of how that's actually affecting franchisors on a day-to-day basis in terms when they're trying to find new real estate, because that was, a, those are some scary numbers in, in, in a sense, because, you know, I think that there are some industries that, you know, certainly sound like that they're not going to be the greatest investments for the next couple of years. And, and even some, and, and it's also divided by where they live too, right? I mean, I think that I was in New York City recently, and New York City has never felt so empty to me. It was just eerie to see how little traffic there was, and I somehow found a way to get to LaGuardia in 15 minutes in the middle in, in the middle of what would normally be rush hour, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. So, you know, talk to me a bit about how that kind of is relating to the franchisors and you know, what you're seeing and how you guys are using this data to really help them um, in the long term to navigate this. Yeah, for sure. And I, actually, I'm, I'm glad Joe laid a, a, a good foundation for the tech side of our business. And I, I think you um, wanted to understand how that ties into the actual real estate world today. And so I kind of want to answer your question in two parts. The first is generally what we're seeing in real estate. Uh, and then secondly, how um, in particular, maybe franchisors or franchisees are seeing this play out. And so mm-hmm. on a high level, uh, what we're seeing in the market, and this is not 
I mean, you mentioned at the start of this call, we, we work nationally because we partner with local brokers in every market. We work with uh, very large franchise groups um, and very rapid growing franchise groups, Clean Juice, Crumble Cookies, uh, Zoop, uh, Bishops. And these are all brands that at, at some point or another have been or are doing uh, many uh, three, five, seven leases a month. And so when you are working in so many markets, you one benefit on our platform is that we can actually get to see what's happening on a national scale. Nationally, asking rents have not come down because of coronavirus. Uh, landlords are not willing to yet see that that rents have shifted. Um, yes, in five-day business trade areas, maybe rents have dropped because the idea, the reality is people are just not going back to the office immediately. It might be a couple of years. Uh, but when you look at other you know, suburban locations or locations that are very heavily dense residential, you might actually see rents increasing because restaurants and other uh, businesses that previously would have been in a location that services both office and residential are now wanting to be in pure residential neighborhood place. Whether that will be right or wrong long term, only time will tell. Um, but I think the biggest misconception, both with our corporate clients as well as our franchisors, and particularly with franchisees, usually because a lot of them, unless they're multi-unit operators, had a lot of experience in the space, uh, don't don't do retail real estate as a as a daily activity. And so the assumption is, hey, things are bad, rents should be cheaper. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think that's that's been a challenge. Uh, really explaining that phenomenon to everyone has that's been a challenge. I think in the coming months, things will probably shake themselves loose a little bit, and rents might start coming down. But now tying this question back to franchisors and franchisees, not all franchises are created equal in the eyes of the pandemic. So some mm-hmm. concepts have done exceptionally well despite coronavirus. I don't know about you guys. I ordered much more pizza during coronavirus than my wife and I typically do. We were definitively ordering pizza at least once a week. And we can actually, from talking to, without giving anyway names, some of our pizza clients, uh, one in particular I'm thinking of, actually was doing about the same volume and some locations was doing 10 to 20% more in sales than they were before coronavirus. Same phenomenon we've seen with uh, some of the home service brands or car servicing brands, you might think that car washes and car maintenance is actually down. No, it seems like when people are at home and they have time, they'll actually go out and do these things that they've probably been putting off. Uh, and so I think those types of franchises are really trying to grow as rapidly as they can in this environment. And obviously, the franchisee who's already signed a franchise agreement is Uh, has their hands somewhat tied because they need to open. Generally, uh, anecdotally speaking, I think franchisors are being cognizant of that and allowing some leeway as it relates to opening timelines. But I I think the the short answer is every franchise is different in this market, but the ones that are doing, that are capable of maintaining sales in a challenging environment are actually continuing to plug along and are having more choice and more options to find second generation spaces that will cost them less to actually build out because there mm-hmm. might've been another bi- franchise business or any other business that just couldn't survive in this sort of environment. Mm-hmm. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a tale of, it's a tale of, of two groups, if you will. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what, that's kind of what I've been trying to tell people, but it's always a little bit better when you have two guys on the phone here who actually can speak to it because they have data and experience combined. So I think that I appreciate you guys going through kind of what you guys are seeing right now, because I think it, it it may seem scary, but I think it also was really helpful to actually have the data as to 
the data behind, you know, it's, it is scary, but also understanding, you know, what's worse versus better. And, you know, there are things like movie theaters, as I just checked out the retail tracker, as you were kind of talking a bit, Navin. And I think that, you know, the movie theaters being down 90% makes sense. They're, most of them are literally just not open. Right. So, I mean, that makes a ton of sense, but there are just things to, you know, to your point with the, you know, with, with getting, you know, the car maintenance right now, you'd expect that would be pretty down and it's really not quite as much, which I think is pretty interesting. And so I think it's just good to, good to hear that you guys, there is some optimism somewhere in the pessimism and one. And I think two, you know, the interesting thing that you went through, Joe, that I really, um, that I think was really kind of crazy to see was how it was so divided based off of where it was in the country. I had expected that it probably would be that way, but no, but there is no way that I would have expected that, you know, my own city, Chicago would be down 66% and it doesn't really feel like that, which I think is, which I think is just kind of good to hear that I really need to be supporting local businesses more, which I think is just an interesting takeaway for me. So um, I appreciate you guys going through that. And I think that a lot of people are going to get some valuable information out of it. And now kind of when it comes, when it relates to, um, you know, the brands themselves, gentlemen, I really do want to ask you guys, um, what sectors are you guys seeing um, that, that interest you right now when it comes to real estate? I think that, you know, Navin, you touched on a strategy that I've been hearing some people posting about a bit about, you know, those second generation locations and being able to take advantage of those. And, you know, the idea of really what people on franchising hate to talk about, which is resales, you guys love them, but most people don't. Um, you know, the idea of, you know, some sectors that you guys are seeing, you know, that are having a lot of movement in retail that you think are going to, when it relates to franchising, is there any sectors that you guys are excited about that you're seeing a lot of movement in? Pizza sounds like it might be one, but is there any others that you guys have that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, um, Navin, I also agree with you. My, my pizza intake, I think, has quadrupled <laughs> <laughs> since COVID hit. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually, that's, you know, I, I think 2SRs, uh, especially the more fast food you go on, on Spectrum, uh, they're doing better. Uh, just, just to kind of corroborate Novin's point a bit, like we got franchisees, you know, uh, that, that we're talking to across the entire country. And it's, it's shocking to see that a lot of those, you know, you know, freestanding, you know, two to 3000 square foot, you know, Taco Bell, Wendy's, you know, Kentucky fried chicken, like, like those types of brands are, uh, in, in, in some regard thriving dur- during this time. Uh, their, their sales hasn't really fluctuated, and it, it seems like there's a, a floor that's fairly high in terms of how down their their sales are going to go. Uh, the other areas like um, that I think are, are kind of worth mentioning here, and and you know there's some franchises that are kind of in this category um, are more like home body and do it yourself shops. So if you look at mm-hmm. like home, you know if you look at Lowe's for example. Right. Like, like that was one of the most shocking stories within the entire pandemic. Right. So when states started to reopen up, I want to say probably mid April or so, uh, like that, that market started booming. Right. So just to give you a sense for how, you know, so we're tracking you know, specific brands as well on the retail trackers. So if you look at Lowe's, you know, they, they, they took a pretty big nosedive when coronavirus first hit. So, you know, they went down probably I'm looking at the numbers now, down 50%, down 60%, you know, end of March. And right when states started to reopen up, 
they just skyrocketed back up. And I think their stock's going up too right now. Uh, and right now where they sit is they're up 43% compared to pre-COVID levels. Okay, and I can speak anecdotally as well. A lot of people are working on home projects or you know, fixing up their cars, they're building cabinets, they're, they're doing a lot of handiwork, right, like in their homes. So I, I think this is one category that not many people uh, think to think about is, you know, companies like Lowe's and, you know, kind of do-it-yourself home body shops. Uh, and even some of the, the car, you know, uh, reseller shops and auto body shops are actually doing fairly well right now. So that's one thing to look out for, for sure. And, and Navin, you might uh, want to add maybe some of the other categories that you're seeing. No, I, I think you I think you generally touched on it. I think uh, personal services may be struggling. So salons um, and anything where you have close contact uh, naturally will be struggling a bit. But things that you can hand out of a window or things that uh, a customer can order online and pick up or have delivered – uh, those types of businesses, yeah. uh, be it food or not, are are doing uh, well in this environment because we want the convenience um, and we don't mind going somewhere so long as we're not going to be interacting with a lot of folks. But I, I think home services, car services, those types of businesses for sure are doing okay. And now, again, it remains to be seen if people are going to keep spending money if the economy were to go a different direction. Um, and it's not clear what's going to happen right now. Maybe a vaccine will come out very quickly. Uh, and things will be fine. But if not, you might see spending go down on those categories. But to Joe's point, at some point, there's a floor for how much like money people will spend on food. So if I was opening a $20 a plate restaurant, I might not want to do it in this environment. But if I'm opening a QSR that can operate out of a thousand square feet and sell sandwiches for six bucks, I'm probably not going to do worse than X. And I just got to figure out what that number is. My comment earlier about earlier about uh, asking rents having not moved, but second generation spaces increasing means that you can actually get a decent return on investment if you were able to pick off a place that still costs $4,000 a month, but in terms of rent, but in renovation might only cost you $175,000. And all of a sudden now, you only have to make a few hundred thousand dollars a year in the near term to pay your bills and make a little profit. But once the market really bounces back, you can actually have a monster ROI in year three, year four, where you're making back 50 to 70% of your investment. Um, and I think that's the part that's exciting for those brands. Yeah, yeah, without question. I think that that is, I'm gonna be, it's a really interesting part of franchising to watch because I, I think you're right. You know, a lot of, you guys probably will hear this and probably do hear this all the time, but franchise salespeople, overwhelmingly do not enjoy doing resales. They think that it is kind of the redheaded stepchild of their job. And there's going to be a lot of them, unfortunately, over the next, you know, couple of years, uh, uh, truthfully. And I think that, you know, I think it's, it's, it's clear that that is very much consistent on the retail side and in the real estate side in particular, as it is on the sales side too. So I'm um, interesting to kind of hear those thoughts, guys. If I yeah. could just chime in for a second, we've had some, inbound requests around multi-unit operators uh, who are looking to acquire maybe a single unit um, in XYZ city where mm -hmm. they're located and to run some analysis for them. But I don't think we've seen the peak of that by any stretch. I think that remains to be seen. I do think one advantage that uh, Locate has is that in addition to the massive data that Joe talked about earlier, because of that national reach with all the different brands, that we're working with, we can actually start to see deal terms in certain markets that are working 
and take those to another market. And for example, we worked on a deal very recently in New York City. This was actually a corporate client. And we're able to take one of the concepts of percentage rent and a much longer rent abatement period related to a pandemic delay and use that same clause on a deal in like Ohio. And so I think those kinds of things are really beneficial. And uh, pardon me for taking a chance to plug exactly what we're doing and doing well. No, I mean, I, I think that it makes sense that, you know, it, it makes sense to show why you guys are relevant. And it really does tie into something you know, that I do want to dive into um, lastly. And I think it would just be really great for people to have some advice from each of you just in terms of how they can navigate, you know, the retail, you know, the retail and I guess by proxy, the real estate space, you know, within, um, within I guess, the confines of the pandemic here. I think it would just be helpful to have some advice. You, be, between the two of you guys, there's obviously a lot of um, a lot of data and a lot of experience that the two of you guys have in combination that would really be helpful for franchisors to learn from. And so um, it, it may, maybe suppliers and may, can also hear, can also learn from it too. So they sound smarter. That also works too. Um, but would just mm-hmm. be helpful to kind of hear some um, advice that you guys have for some folks generally and also in particular um, as it relates to the pandemic and how to navigate yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll skip the like the Q2 advice that most owners operators got and took action on, you know, which was to you know budget, be frugal, act quickly, you know, like like all, all the stuff. I I I think the dust has somewhat settled into this quote unquote new normal. Um, so I, I I won't really touch on those. I I will say that this is less advice but more of an observation that I think folks can take and really apply to the levels that they feel personally comfortable with. Um, But one thing that we've observed, which I I just find fascinating is uh, retail store traffic. So the retail sales, you know, how how well retail is performing across the board uh, is more correlated with policy than it is with number of new cases. Okay. So um, if you look at some of the states that are doing, you know, remarkably well uh, in terms of retail sales and, and traffic, uh, you'll notice that their policies have been the most um, uh, risk tolerant. Okay, so you look at Nevada, they're up eight percent. You know, you know, you, you see photos of Vegas and, and some of the casinos are packed right now, right? You see Utah, they're up three and a half percent. You know, New Mexico's been up fifteen percent. Uh, and a lot of these states, like like Florida, you know, with everything going on there, they're only down three percent. They're it's minus three point four right now, right? So it, you know, and, and the cases are surging as we all see on the news there. Uh, whereas policies have been a, a bit more lax in terms of you know stores reopening up and, and the timelines and all that. Uh, so a lot of the conversations that I've been having, um, you know, with brokers and retailers, franchisors is you know, what can we be doing? Like, what what can you be doing? What can I be doing? Like, how do we make sure that our industries uh, remain afloat, that we can continue to thrive, that we limit the number of store closures that are permanent, which, by the way, is going up according to Yelp. I think they're forecasting about 50% now or 60%, uh, which is just crazy wow. bonkers, um, is policy, right? And, and I, I think that this is a very... Um, it's a very nuanced subject because we don't want to, I mean, there's obviously it gets, it gets political and there's obviously health risk and, and, and all that. 
Um, but what a lot of folks are trying to figure out is how do we reopen um, uh, responsibly uh, and in a way that is safe. And if there's if there's a way that we can do that, and there's evidence that there are ways that you could possibly do that. Although you know, I feel like every every week reports come out you know contradicting the the week uh, the reports from prior weeks. Uh, that that's going to be the thing that I think uh, is going to the single thing that's going to dictate uh, retail performance for the next let's say 12 months until the vaccine gets disseminated across the country is how the local policymakers are going to be reacting to this new surge, right? So we're, we're in a kind of a 1.5 surge right now. Surge number two might come in later this fall and winter. Um, you know, more so than the cases, it's going to be uh, the, the policymakers. And, you know, a lot of folks are writing to them. They're talking with them. They're consulting with them. Uh, they're negotiating with them j- just to figure out you know, how can we all, like, how can we have a voice in what happens um, because a lot of businesses are hurting right now and, you know, the policies can help, uh, mitigate some of the, some of the hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I think without question, there's yeah. a lot left to be decided. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's for sure. I think that there's a lot of interesting yeah. things that, you know, we, we still have to figure out. And I think the policymakers are going to play a really large role in that. But I, but I, I think you're right. I mean, <laughs> you'd think that Florida would be uh, would not be doing so hot right now, but even so, I think that it was they were up so much relative to the rest of the country, and now I think that they might be coming back to earth again. And I hope it doesn't get worse uh, down there um, for everybody's sake. But um, I think that you're very much right. Is that the policymakers are really going to are really going to make a tremendous difference, and you know what can be happening. I think California, for instance, where you are, Joe, of course, you know things have certainly closed down quite a bit, and you know I basically been told um, by my higher ups, aka my parents, which is a weird thing to say occasionally, but uh, that all California <laughs> brands are persona non grata at the moment, just because out of respect for them, there are some things that they're going through. And, you know, the governor has basically said, look, like you guys need to kind of go back to what you were doing in March, which I think is a tough thing to hear, but um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's maybe for the better. So um, you're yeah, very much right. Yeah. And you're very much right, for sure. Yeah. But, I, you know, one thing I will add is like, I, I've been... I, I, I become increasingly inspired by how resilient the industry is. And mm-hmm. just like, just the ability, like, you know, like, like DoorDash and Uber Eats and all, like, I'm talking, you know, restaurants for, for now, but like they've been around for a while, but it's not easy for these operators to flip the switch and go digital or like turn the knobs and go 80% delivery or curbside. Right. Like it's not like you got to change operationally. You got to change, you know, like there's a lot of you know, emotionally you got to make that leap. Like, but the ability for, you know, some of these categories to just completely pivot and in, in some cases be doing better in the last few months. Like to me, like, you know, people, there's all this like, you know, apocalyptic, you know, messages that's very dystopian in terms of retail and Amazon, this Amazon, that blah, blah, blah. Like, like, I, I think, I think we'll be okay. Like as far as the industry goes, um, like people have shown incredible, just grit and resilience and the, the ability to adapt time and time again, not just during COVID, but you know, in the last five to 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, kind of trying to end on a bit more of a positive note. Like I, I do think, uh, we'll be fine. Um, and, you know, as far as medium to long term goes, uh, it's just about finding ways to, to stay alive uh, and just kind of grind it through until we get that vaccine disseminated.
Mm -hmm. And I hope that's soon, my friend. I think it's good to end on a positive note there. And uh, Navin, anything that you'd like to add in terms of some advice you have for the folks listening? Yeah, I do. Um, The first one is one that I repeat often, uh, and it's to all franchisees. And that advice is a simple one. The best location for your franchise is rarely the one that is five to seven minutes away from your house. I find that most franchisees (laughs) want to pick a location because it is convenient to get to, but that just means when it fails, it'll be easier for you to shut it down. And instead you should rely on uh, talking to your brokers and using data from folks like us, or if you're not working with us, please use data from some platform to figure out the optimal place to open. That's my first piece of advice. And now specific to coronavirus, I think, look, I'm I'm generally an optimistic person. Um, I don't believe this is going to pass very quickly, but I would love to be wrong. And so if I'm the one doing deals right now, if I'm the franchisee signing papers, I think there's a couple things I'm going to want to be especially careful about. Number one, I'm going to want to make sure I get some sort of pandemic protection. And that could be tied specifically to policy, which says if at any point my construction of this location or my opening um, or my operation of this, uh, my construction, my opening or my operation of this location is halted because of uh, government regulation, that my rent should either stop or go to just a percentage rent structure. I think that's the first thing. I need some sort of pandemic protection. I think the second thing is as it relates to guarantees, uh, personal guarantees or large security deposits, I would be cautious to, uh, there are a few, very few times where I believe a franchisee should be guaranteeing the full term of a lease. I just, most landlords aren't giving franchisees enough money to justify that. But in this environment, especially, I don't want to be paying rent for 10 years if my business is, is failing in two years because of the pandemic or because of a much slower ramp than anticipated. And I think if you just take those two things as a franchisee, you can probably protect yourself pretty well um, in light of what's happening here. Um, but I think the right way to think about this is not just where you're going, but the franchise that you're considering signing up with, making sure that it's something that can do well, both in a pandemic environment, as well as outside of one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. You, one of my favorite pieces of advice, and it's funny because the one, the first thing that I learned about real estate and franchising is the idea behind not picking the place that's convenient for you. You got to pick the place that's convenient for your business. And I think that it's funny that you, that, that that's like literally the first thing that you said, because I, I feel like that I've been hearing that ever since I was a little kid, yet people continue to do it. And I don't know why, but I'm happy to hear that you agree. Um, and I think that overall, guys, that was some really meaningful advice. And I think that people will really um, get a lot out of all that you guys have said today. And I really appreciate um, you guys coming on and talking a bit about this subject that it, that is really, really important to, you know, how our industry is going to evolve in the future. And, you know, for folks who do want to learn more about you guys, um, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to um, just our homepage, uh, www.locate.ai. Uh, you can shoot us a note at our email address, hello at locate.ai. Uh, and just just uh, in case the folks missed it earlier on, uh, if you guys want to check out the uh, the, the free publicized uh, anonymous mobile data that we're using to track store traffic, it's uh, locate.ai slash uh, retail dash tracker. So you guys can go there, check it out, you know, 180 million devices across 3 million sites. It's all out there. 
Um, and, and you know, we, you know, we, you know, we, we launched it really to help uh, our communities out during this time. So if you guys need, need, uh, mm-hmm. need to figure out what's going on in different markets and categories and brands, uh, it's all there. I'd add awesome. that uh, if you go to locate.ai, there's also um, a tool that we recently launched uh, right on the homepage. You'll see it as a mobile site report, and it uses the anonymous, uh, anonymized uh, data set Joe was talking about earlier to analyze any point in America <clears throat> based on the uh, cellular activity levels nearby. And I, I think that's going to be exciting. Uh, for all of your franchisees who usually would have to pay a fortune to get access to mobile data, but we thought it's something that folks should really have um, based on what's happening today. Yeah, and 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 I'm really I'm actually going to be sending this out, folks, uh, on a link via our uh, little write up that we do. So if you guys have questions and um, weren't and are in the car and, and didn't have a chance to write that down. Um, then I will kind of link that in there so you guys can go ahead and check that out. I think it's a really valuable resource and uh, as well as these as well as these guys have been uh, for you know kind of giving us our their time today. So guys, thank you guys so much for hopping on today and uh, really looking forward to um, hopefully um, seeing you guys around very, very soon and uh, stay safe and uh, thanks again. Yeah, yeah, th- th- this was fun. Thanks for inviting us uh, and you stay uh, healthy and safe as well. Yep. Thanks, Zach. Absolutely. And, uh, hopefully we can get back to Springboard as, as, as soon as we can, but look forward to hearing from or your listeners and from you in the near future. That is the hope. Well, well, well thanks everybody for listening. If you have uh, any uh, interest in subscribing to learning more episodes, to, to really hearing more episodes just like this, uh, please go to Modern Business Without the E, and uh, we are uh, more than happy to have you. Uh, and if you have questions about how to get somebody onto the podcast, please contact me at Zach. That is uh, Zach at modern without the e or you can always hit us up at LinkedIn. Thanks again, everybody. Cheers.